let's just say I put him in the hole and threw away the hole. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, so we want to make sure we talk about all of it. Yep, so thanks for joining us today, and I just want to go ahead and get us started. First of all, my name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and man, are we excited to be here with you this week. So, Tim, how's your week been going? (laughs) Well, I think we're kind of in the same boat. Uh, Both of us have been pretty sick. Uh, You sound a heck of a lot worse than I do. So just to let you guys know, uh, you know, we're struggling along here, and uh, I'll actually be coughing throughout this broadcast, and I will be sure to edit that out so you don't have to hear that. But uh, Scott is definitely going to be struggling along here, so we're going to just kind of run through this quickly today and just let you know ahead of time. Yeah, yes, because I'm sure you all love listening to this sound of my voice. (laughs) It's uh, it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely something that's going to go in a special edition of the show. Yeah, but you know what? We love you guys so much. We podcast through rain, snow, and sleet. Yeah, and uh, head colds. So and head colds. Yes. <laughs> so first of all, you know, let's just go ahead and get started here. I, I want to jump in here. I I need to do yet again another little rant. I did a little one last week about Supergirl and how a lot of fans were just kind of reacting to the show where it didn't meet their expectations. Well, this is something a little bit different. So this actually happened, uh, I believe, on Thursday. And there was a post put up on Twitter by Umberto Gonzalez, El Mayimbe. And in this tweet, he said, Batman v Superman poll. Should I drop a cool but huge third act spoiler tomorrow? You decide. Vote below. And he posted this at 630. And when I just saw that, I was like, no way. Do not do this. What are you even thinking? And in the poll, of course, I voted no. Uh, hell no, actually. And <laughs> and the results were 54% of the people wanted to hear this third act huge spoiler. And 46% said no. And you could see there were a lot of people responding, saying, like, what are you doing? Don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And uh, shortly after that, about an hour and a half later, he posted a second tweet, said, so the BVS vote was 54 to 46 when I was looking for 70 to 30 or 80 to 20. But 54 to 46 is too close. So the hell knows one and made great points won't drop it. And first of all, I want to say, uh, Umberto, come on, man. Why was even 70% or even 80% acceptable? It should have been, if 100% people wanted to drop it, the answer still should have been no. You do not do this. Umberto, come on, man. Respect the filmmakers. You know, respect the director, the writer, cinematographers, producers, the production designers, the actors, the editors, sound designers, you know, all these different people that have worked on the film. You know, there's a there's thousands of people that are working on this production. There's so many people that are devoting years of their life to just make this incredible movie for us. And you want to go and spoil this thing with a huge plot point and spoil the movie for people. I know you like to drop different scoops on casting choices and maybe some mild plot points and you know that's perfectly fine you know I, re- I can respect that I do enjoy hearing casting rumors and that kind of thing but when you're going to go and ruin a movie 
This is where you lose me. But the biggest thing out of all this is, Umberto, respect the fans. Don't even consider doing something like this in the future. I know you listen to the show, so this is just a message from us to you, or at least from me. I'm not going to speak for Scott. but So that's my little rant. That's all I really had to say. We need to like create a little theme song for you, Tim. So whenever you have rants, <laughs> we need like headline music playing. So yeah. we go, this, the, the opinions expressed are those of Tim and not of the network. <laughs> not of the network, yeah. So anyway, that's all I have to say. Uh, so at least I'll give you credit for reining it in. But uh, it just should never even been an option. So moving on. So this has been kind of like one of these slower news weeks. And I do want to just kind of touch on something real quick. You know, every little bit of Suicide Squad news we get, I do want to kind of touch on. Uh, nothing really big happened this week. But the one little interesting thing, Cara Delevingne, our very own Enchantress, is you're starting to see her show up a lot more in pop culture. And so, you know, of course, she just recently had the movie Paper Towns uh, came out. And I don't know if you've seen that, Scott. I haven't. I read the book at the beginning of the summer because as a middle school English teacher, I'm forced to read books that my students are reading because I have to be like in the know. <laughs> right. Didn't care for the book. So I haven't rushed out to see the movie, but I'm hoping to get it like at Redbox or something where it's only going to cost me like a buck 50. <laughs> okay. And that's when I'm going to. So that's actually probably going to be my first experience with Cara Delevingne even before the Suicide Squad movie comes out. Yeah, and I actually saw the movie. It's up on Vudu right now. I think you can rent it for a few bucks. Uh, I think I'm probably going to go ahead and do that because I'm curious as well. I've seen her act in a couple of really small things, um, not really even movies, but I'm real curious to see how she she is in a in a whole feature film here. But but we've actually been seeing her in a few different other things. I mean, first of all, there's the Taylor Swift Bad Blood music video. All right, Taylor, this is not about you. We're talking about Cara Delevingne here, but we'll give you a chance later. But yeah, so she was actually in Taylor Swift's uh, music video, and we actually saw her uh, this past week in a video game, basically a live action trailer, and it's for Call of Duty Black Ops 3. And it's really kind of a neat video. It just kind of shows an average Joe, uh, showing that he's this like ultimate kind of warrior and all of a sudden, in the very end of the trailer, in drops in Cara Delevingne, and uh, she just looks awesome. Uh, so we see her in that. We've seen her in, of course, the Taylor Swift thing. Uh, we actually also remember just recently, last week, we saw her get her very own cover with Empire Magazine. And uh, again, so if you guys have not gone out and gotten this, run to Barnes & Noble. See if you can pick up the print edition of Empire Magazine. If you if you can't, or if you're like me that just prefers digital at this point, uh, as I said last week, you know, get the digital edition. It's really cool. They've got some great animations uh, done by the team over there at Empire. The article was written by Nick Desemlian, and it actually includes a lot of photos in there, probably taken by I think Clay Enos. Go out there and support it, and uh, you can get yourself a cover of Cara Delevingne's bill. So anyway, it's kind of neat. You're seeing Cara really kind of come into our consciousness and pop culture, and it'll be perfect timing for when we get to see her in the movie. Well, and I also want to send a great big shout out and thank you to Empire Magazine because they actually uh, gave us a little bit of a retweet and uh, and a uh, little favorite on our Twitter account when we posted one of their pictures and gave them credit. So thank you guys. Oh, we yeah, really definitely. appreciated that. Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And we're big fans and uh, we're looking forward to seeing what else you come out with upcoming DCEU movies. Well, and then, Tim, we got some news, quote unquote, about Batman v Superman uh, coming over from Jolly Old England. <laughs> uh, apparently there is a cinema chain. Well, it's Odeon Cinemas. Odeon Cinemas. Okay. Which is like their 
I mean, do we have a like? Is it like Carmike over here? Like, yeah, it's it's they're the biggest uh, cinema chain over in the UK and Ireland. Okay, well, they posted on their website a synopsis for Batman v Superman, and it's interesting because of the three portions of their synopsis. Since it was originally posted, two of those portions have since been removed. Mm-hmm. Now, the part that still stays is the part that says, at long last, see Batman and Superman square off against each other in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, an epic superhero showdown which will change both their lives forever. Mm-hmm. Now, Tim, what were the interesting parts that eventually got removed since it went live? Yeah, so this this little description of the film uh, differs from what we've seen officially released here in the United States. Now, the, the second and third third parts of this. Uh, I'll go ahead and read them because uh, they have since disappeared, but we captured them before they disappeared. Uh, it, It goes on to say, Clark Kent doesn't trust Gotham's mysterious masked vigilante. Bruce Wayne doesn't trust the alien who nearly destroyed Metropolis. And Lex Luthor, who hates Superman more than anyone, is manipulating both of them for his own twisted ends. And then uh, I'll just read the last part and then we can talk about it some more here. And it ends with, choose your side, the Man of Steel or the Dark Knight. Learn the answer to the age-old question, who would win in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice? So when when this came out, there was a lot of questions. And I know some people that were kind of digging into this were trying to reach out to uh, Warner Brothers and maybe even Odeon Cinemas to see if this was an actual f- official synopsis, and and I didn't see anywhere uh, whether this was determined to be official or not. But uh, I found it real telling that the description was modified uh, right after this came out, and it was kind of like went viral on the internet. And the fact that they removed um, kind of the more telling part of this description about uh, Lex Luthor, you know, hating Superman more than anyone, but manipulating both. Superman and Batman, I, that was some kind of new piece of information that, you know, we've speculated on, but this was kind of like, you know, maybe the first possible kind of confirmation uh, about what his role is going to be in this film, but uh, we really don't know. And I, at, to, to my knowledge here, I don't think we've we've gotten any conclusions one way or the other, but I, I think the fact that it was removed uh, would kind of maybe tell me that there might have been something to it. Well, and if you go back to our episode where we reviewed the Batman v Superman trailers, right. this really does kind of lend itself to our show's official theory that Lex is playing the like Lex is the puppet master right. in this movie. And I think Tim, you mentioned something that more specific to a theory that you had during our trailer review. Well, I mean, I, I you know, you see some scenes in there where there's some messages being uh, basically delivered to Bruce Wayne to Batman. Uh, the most notable one being the the writing that's written on what looks to be like a burnt out Robin suit in the Batcave. And I think I think we can pretty much assume that that is tied directly to the Joker. And that was basically because Zack Snyder had actually teased out in a tweet when the first image of the Joker was released by David Ayer. He actually tweeted out the very words that were written on the suit. And uh, and it was later confirmed once we finally saw the trailer. So I think to me, that's kind of Zack Snyder confirming that that was Joker that had had actually done that or written that on a suit. Um, but the other part was where Bruce Wayne was actually in some type of office building and uh, he looked like he was in a boardroom and he opens up a letter and, and sees an article about uh, the devastation that affected his his building. And there was a, a message written on it. It says, you, do, you let your family die. And I never thought that this would 
was kind of consistent with something that Joker would have done. And I looked at this as, I think this is Lex manipulating. Uh, I'm I'm a believer that I think Lex knows exactly who Batman is and is always going to use that information to his benefit. And in this case, it, he's using it to you know, orchestrate, uh, the fight between Superman and Batman, you know, for his own personal gain, whatever his eventual, uh, end game is with this. But anyway, so that, that to me, I believe that this little synopsis is real and, uh, it's been pulled down because they, they probably told a little bit too much. <laughs> so, oh, well, we will see. Now it was very interesting. There were some other articles that got, uh, released. I believe the original source for this article was on Collider, but Chuck Roven, who is, I know he's a producer, but is he like an executive producer or really what's his title in the DC cinematic universe? Yeah, he's an executive producer. And so he was part of the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, the uh, Christopher Nolan films, and he's now involved and will be involved in every single DC EU movie. So he's he's a major player. Yeah, well, and he was kind of talking about uh, the development of the DC Extended Universe, which I feel like has gotten some unfair criticism Mm -hmm. because I think too many people are looking at Warner Brothers and the DCEU and they want it to be done like the Marvel Cinematic Universe only because Marvel did it first. Mm Mm-hmm. At, in, at least in film. And Chuck Roven is basically trying to sort of defend their choices by saying, listen, we got John Berg, who's the executive vice president of Warner Brothers. We've got Zach and Deborah Snyder. And we've got Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got some creative, talented people here. Well, he calls them the brain trust. He calls them the brain trust that uh, they don't agree on everything. Mm-hmm. But, well, would you want people to? No, of course not. And the idea of, and this maybe gets into a little bit of my commentary, but from what I understand is that with Kevin Feige and the Marvel Studios, basically, if you're going to make a Marvel movie, you're going to make a Marvel movie. And, you know, there's certain there's a certain, you know, tone you have to have. Mm-hmm. And what... Chuck Roven says about the DCEU is it's more of a sandbox. Mm-hmm. You come in as a director with your own style, with your own sensibility, and you get to play with our characters. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make sure that the characters stay true in all the movies, but we're going to allow you more of a creative freedom to create a film that's going to be your style. Mm-hmm. And I kind of personally like that I in too. an in an artistic sense, I like the idea that not every movie I'm going to see is going to be the same flavor. Yeah. Which sometimes the Marvel movies are like that. Now, I'm not saying that as a criticism against Marvel, but you got to get a Marvel movie every time you see a Marvel movie. I like the idea that if I go see Batman v Superman, it's going to be different than me seeing Suicide Squad, yeah. which is going to be different from me seeing Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. You know, And I like that. And he even went on to say that the movies will, they, w- they will have a through line. If you, when you see the Flash solo movie, the Flash you see will be a Flash that is uh, representative of the events of his appearance in Batman v Superman mm-hmm. and Justice League Part 1. You're not going to feel like it's a different character. While the movie will have its own sensibility, the character will be consistent through all the movies. Mm-hmm. And once again, I appreciate that. Yeah. That is a, that's a stance, that is a creative structure that I can get behind. Yeah. Well, and it actually goes back to 
episode nine, where we talked about uh, David Ayer. Apparently, and this was revealed in that Empire Magazine article, David Ayer seems to be the person that actually kind of really got the ball rolling with the Suicide Squad movie. You know, he brought his pitch to uh, basically to the executive producers and and he basically sold them on it. And so that that is, I think, one of the things that's really kind of uh, interesting here is you can get, you know, possibly a lot more directors that might be willing to come over and do a DCEU film uh, because, you know, already the team, the brain trust, as we call them, is already demonstrating that they're going to allow these guys to have a lot more freedom to kind of really kind of express themselves as filmmakers. And and uh, so, I mean, as we can already see, you know, um, Dawn of Justice and Suicide Squad are going to be pretty dramatically different. And I I agree with you, Scott. I just find that real exciting, you know, because, you know, the way Marvel has differentiated themselves in their movies is, you know, they, they always have a Marvel tone to their movies, but they try to differentiate themselves in terms of having like a type of genre with their movie. Uh, you know, we've talked about Ant-Man being like kind of a heist movie and every movie has got its own little kind of like subgenre that they're going for. And, and I think that works out great for them. That allows them to kind of differentiate their properties and, and, you know, keep it a little bit fresh. Um, but I'm, you know, I love movies. I love cinema. I love seeing the expression of people doing new things, uh, especially on the filmmaking side. And so I, I, this excites me that, you know, we can get, uh, a lot more variety in terms of, you know, what these filmmakers are going to do with their visions. Well, I think that's all we have to say about that. Yeah. So and now did you see this wonderful Batman art that got posted recently? Oh, of course. So this was actually, it was, um, I think his name is Jared Morantz, and it, he's a conceptual artist for Batman v Superman. And he actually posted some conceptual art on his Facebook page, and apparently he was able to do it. I don't think we have the situation like we had last week uh, where somebody was posting something that they probably shouldn't have. Uh, but actually, that was two weeks ago, right? So Yeah, that was two weeks ago. <laughs> so uh, hopefully he's got a new career by now. So anyway, uh, he posted this on Facebook with a message that you know he's finally able to show these images. And he said these were things that he actually painted uh, for Batman v Superman. And it sounds like these images uh, were uh, conceptual art that was done probably before you know Ben Affleck was even cast at this point. But if you get a chance, check out Jared Morantz's Facebook page and you could see these images. And, and uh, uh, I'm actually going to open one right now just so I can just kind of talk about it some more. But uh, it just really kind of goes on to reinforce just how incredibly faithful this costume is going to be to the source material. And, it, you know, it's got all the things that I've just always loved about the Batman costume. It's got, you know, for me, you know, I love, I'm a small ear kind of guy. And I don't know, Scott, are you a small ear or long ear Batman? I, I'm a small to medium ear. Are you? You know, it's kind of like when you get into like the Kelly Jones ears that I'm like, <laughs> well, that's a little too much. Yeah. But I'm okay with a, with a Jim Lee, Frank Miller. Yeah. Even, you know, a Greg Capullo kind of ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, that th- those are all the I I love the interpretation all those guys have done. I'm I've always found the smaller ears to be more functional. So, uh, but yeah, I mean it's 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 the grayish looking kind of materialish looking costume. Uh, if, there, if there's any kind of armor in there, it's buried in there. 
uh, inside the material. But you got the, just the the wonderful, uh, very large looking Batman, you know, shield on there, which is going to be very comparable to what Superman has. He's got this great giant S on his chest. Well, Batman's got this 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 very comparable looking bat on his chest, and and but then you got the 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 kind of like uh, the dark and yellow belt as well. I mean, just everything is extremely faithful here. So um, it looks like uh, you know whatever concept art he came up with, uh, it looks like you know they totally went with it. So he must have been just sitting on this for quite a while and just really kind of like chomping at the bit to kind of finally put it out there and say, hey, look at this, man. This is what we came up with, and and this is what you see in the film. I'm just glad that it's two tone. I'm I'm yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm sick and tired of Batman and movies being all black. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. So the fact that it's gray and black, yay, f- yay for them. I'm, <laughs> yep. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, go check this out um, and, you know, go right to, you know, uh, Jared's Facebook page and just throw up some kind words. I, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, look forward to seeing what other, other kind of work he may have uh, he may have done that we get to see here. Now we get some more Wonder Woman news this week. Eh, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Well, OK, this has been reported on multiple news sites that Nicole Kidman is actually in ongoing negotiations for a role in Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Now, none of the news stories that I read ever indicated what that role is, just that she is in talks. Yeah. Now, she's just in talks. That She's not been cast. Mm-hmm. It just means they are trying to get her into the movie. Now, I'm excited about this because I have to admit that if you go back about 20 years, I had quite the middle school boy <laughs> crush after seeing Nicole Kidman in Batman Forever. Yeah. She was gorgeous. She still is gorgeous, but she was very gorgeous 20 years ago. Well, that was when she played Chase Meridian, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, you know, she's gone on to do all kinds of movies. A uh, personal favorite of mine was Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Uh, I know that she won Best Actress for the Hours. I didn't care for that film, mm-hmm. but she did a great job playing Virginia Woolf. Yeah. So I really do think that with her age, she's in her late 40s and how tall she is. I yeah. mean, she, she is famous for being a very tall woman. Mm. I honestly believe when I read this article, Hippolyta, who is the queen of the Amazons, she's Diana's mother. I really think that is the role that she's negotiating for. Yeah. So I I always kind of wondered, you know, I mean, I, I immediately thought the same thing, you know, Hippolyta would be the logical choice, but I've heard her recently, she, she's actually expressed the desire to kind of play a, a, a more deep type character and and I'm kind of wondering if maybe you know you know we've we heard previously that uh, Ava Green was going to be you know potentially playing Cersei I kind of wonder if maybe it's not possible that we don't see uh, Nicole Kidman play Cersei instead so I don't know we'll see I think everyone is just kind of latching on to the Hippolyta thing but uh, I would kind of leave the door open here she may end up playing a more devious character this is Nicole Kidman no matter what she plays she's just going to be a wonder to watch and and not only just a great actress but just a very beautiful woman and she's just going to fit great into this film uh, I just hope I hope this pans out that's yeah. basically what I'm saying yeah so again this is uh, nothing is confirmed or settled at this point apparently it's an ongoing negotiation so Nicole if you're listening we hope you are uh you know please go ahead and get that pen out and 
sign that contract. Yes. And Warner Brothers give her a good deal. That's right. She deserves it. And it's it's just great. You know, boy, this cast is just really turning up to be something just special here. Well, I I just well, I hope those rumors about Sean being Ava Green are true. Yeah. So that that's another one, too. Those are kind of rumors at this point. And, and you know, they're about ready. Actually, probably within a week or two here, we should start seeing some indications of them actually filming. Uh, hopefully it's not just in Pinewood Studios where we can't really see anything, but maybe, you know, some some outdoor sets or something. Maybe get some indications of what's going on here. And, and maybe at that point in time, you know, they'll do the official announcements about who's going to be in this, you know, to to, to kind of get that out there before, you know, set photos start showing up. Yeah, until we have a whole, like, Suicide Squad situation going on. Oh, but let's remember now that Suicide Squad situation, I'm a firm believer that that was all great publicity for... Oh, no, I completely agree with yeah. great publicity, but I still, you know, it would be nice to know some things. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, my gosh, you know, so we, we, we've had, you know, a good year of, and actually more than that, just getting lots of little bits and pieces uh, about Batman v Superman on an extremely secretive set. And then, you know, we, of course, we got a lot of great things about Suicide Squad. And, you know, now we're about ready to roll into our third movie here. So this is a lot of fun for us DC fans. So looking forward to it. And we haven't seen a movie yet. No, we have. Well, we saw Man of Steel. That yeah, true. Movie. Yep. So anyway, so yeah, so that's uh, that's something to look forward to here. So there's actually some some more uh, news. Now we put this in a category as as rumors, uh, potential mild spoilers. So that's just a little pre warning right now. Uh, if this is something you don't want to hear, then go ahead and fast forward just a few minutes here. But so th- there's some kind of plot rumors coming out. And, uh, you know, last week we heard from Joe Blow uh, some of the, or actually it was two weeks ago, some of the indications about what some of the major plot points might be in the film. Well, there's some additional stuff that's coming out here. And it's really dealing with um, the motivations of, of the main antagonist in the film, the main villain. And we'll go ahead and kind of run through this. I, I think this stuff is interesting. Uh, I don't consider it too majorly spoilers, so I want to go ahead and talk about it. Uh, Ares, uh, which of course is the god of war. So it's kind of rumored that he actually steals a sword from the Amazonians. And and with the sword, it, it, it's something that he can't really utilize. It's, it basically has him locked out. And as we know, Ares, uh, he gets his power from basically war. You know, he, he replenishes his power and, and builds it up from like death and destruction, you know, from war. And so in order to unlock this sword, it's rumored that he's going to try to, you know, initiate a world conflict of some sort. You know, we'll call it World War Three, And that's how he's going to use it to, you know, activate these powers of the sword. And it's um, so I think that's really kind of neat. I, I, I think just just the whole dynamics of this thing could be pretty incredible. I mean, if you I love the look of Ares in the comics and if they can pull that same thing off visually uh, in the film, oh, I think it's just going to look fantastic. Now you're talking about Ares from the George Perez. The, the Perez. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, it was kind of funny to me because when I read that, except for the sword bit, it just sounded like the plot from the <laughs> Wonder Woman animated movie, yeah. which I think any F- Wonder Woman fan has said that's the point. Just take that animated movie, yep. film it live, and you're you're good to go. Yeah, you've already got your you've already got your story. Now just transfer it to film. So we'll see if this pans out. Now it's really interesting because uh, this rumor also suggests that the timeline is getting a little jumbled because mm-hmm. you got to remember the Wonder Woman movie is going to come out in 2017, a couple of months before Justice League Part One. Mm-hmm. Yet it's events in this movie are actually supposed to tie into Dawn of Justice, which is going to come out the year prior. Mm -hmm. So once again, kind of this interesting concept of we have all these movies, they have their through lines, 
but they're just we're sort of lacing them throughout the movies where something may get mentioned here that won't be paid off until a year later yeah. which as a guy who loves serialized movies and television and loves giant story arcs this is my jam yeah. i love stuff like this yeah and i and i love the nature of it like i i think the marvel movies are very linear uh, what happens in one directly leads into the next. And it sounds like uh, the way the, the brain trust of the DCU is treating us is they're going to allow us to, you know, maybe kind of go back and forth in time a little bit and just and really kind of find the best story. And uh, this might be one that kind of precedes uh, Batman v Superman. So there was actually just a little bit of a rumor that uh, some of her appearance in Batman v Superman was really going to be tied into what you're going to see in this Wonder Woman movie itself, that it involves the sword. Uh, from this so anyway kind of really fun uh really fun things to talk about here and you know the way these things work you know these rumors may have come out from you know some early drafts or scripts that someone may have seen or or that somebody was aware of so you know we never know how these details are actually playing out with where what they finally settled on that's where things get a lot more secretive so um so just kind of take it for what it is it's it's kind of fun to think about what this might be and you know and if, if it were to even be along these lines i think this would be great so well i think it's about time that we move into some tv news because i really feel like that this episode we're going to be living in tv land for yeah. pretty much the rest of the episode mm-hmm. um kind of jumping off of our discussion from the past couple of weeks oh uh, we did want to talk about some supergirl yeah because her numbers continue to look very strong yeah. especially from that premiere episode uh, now we talked about last week how the live numbers pretty much put her at a 12.8 million viewers mm-hmm. And what happened is that now that we're getting, we're able to factor in sort of the DVR and the time shifted viewing, uh, what they're now saying is that with her uh, live plus three ratings, it actually adds on those extra three days actually adds on another 3.17 million viewers. That leads us to a grand total of 16.13 million people watching the pilot episode just within the first three days just within the first three days and that that three-day period also once again i don't know how these rating numbers work but they said that rose supergirl to a 4.1 rating for adults 18 to 49 yeah which is a key demographic well it's the demographic i mean every show is basically targeting the 18 to 49 crowd yeah but i don't know what the 4.1 translates into but as far as i'm aware as far as ratings go that's like hot to try yeah so this is fantastic and there was some other stuff i had read in one of the articles about this and uh, i'm not gonna be able to quote them here exactly but i I found it real interesting on all these different metrics that they're tracking now because they can track um they can track the dvr you know if you have a dvr they you're feeding information to to the system basically saying you know when did you watch it you know it was how many days after you recorded when did you watch it and these things actually give some kind of indication whether you fast forward through commercials or not so uh but apparently, and I think this was in reference to Gotham, I think Gotham actually doubled its viewership after the first seven days by the end of the first month. And so, and this is actually, I think this is really very, uh, very much signifies how people view content nowadays. And I'm actually one of those people, I, you know, I put my family first when, you know, when uh, a show is on 
uh, if, if it's my awake time with my kids, I'm going to spend it with them. I'm not going to like drop everything and go watch a show. So I'm very much a DVR guy. In fact, uh, I'm actually even beyond that now with the Supergirl show. I, I immediately bought the season pass on voodoo and I did that with arrow and I did that with iZombie and all the other shows. I just buy the season pass and I have it right away and I can go watch it there. But I, I watch very little of my content live anymore. And, and it's, it's really nice to see that they're really trying to track this stuff better than they have in the past. You know, the, the Nielsen ratings are so flawed. And it, it's just the amazing ability you have with this technology now to, to really track this stuff. And I like to see that they're, they're really um, cultivating all these different numbers at the, you know, the live plus three and then the live plus seven and then even the live plus 30 days. So anyway, so great news for Supergirl. Congratulations. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to just seeing if her viewership even grows throughout this season. I'm, I'm, I think there's a good chance it will. Well, I think so too. I mean, I knew there was some serious drop off uh, from episode one, episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like eight million, like just over eight million for episode two. Mm-hmm. And actually, Gotham saw a bump. But I mean, that's what happens, you know. Yeah, that's very typical. Everyone tunes in for the first episode mm-hmm. and then drops off for the second. Which my brief Supergirl review was: the second episode was even superior to the first episode. Yes. Yep. So. You know, we're not Supergirl TV talk. There's a podcast called that, uh, but really enjoying the show. Yeah. So what did you hear about uh, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen? Oh, well, this is kind of funny. Uh, Makad Brooks, he's the one that plays James Olsen. And um, he was out basically promoting Supergirl with uh, Melissa Benoist. And one of the little funny questions that came up is uh, they were asking, you know, hey, are you going to essentially be getting together with Supergirl? You know, we're going to see James Olsen and Supergirl to get together. And I just love the little quote he said. Uh, He says, you know, if your best friend is Superman, there's a bro code that you do not cross. So I just found that pretty funny because it's actually pretty true. I think that probably would not go over well if he was hooking up with uh, Superman's uh, cousin. So Nah. <laughs> now, this was some casting news that landed this week that I was kind of excited about because Emma Caulfield, who played Anya on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I have to admit I was a giant Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. fan, uh, is been cast as Cameron Chase. Now, full disclosure, I had no idea who this character was. So I had to do a little research and it turns out that she is a long-standing agent of the DEO. Mm-hmm. Which, considering what a major part the DEO plays in Supergirl, well, it makes only it only makes sense that she would be in the show. Ironically enough, also in the comics, she interacted with the Suicide Squad. Yes. So bring it back to our our bread and butter here. Yes. But I enjoyed Emma Caulfield. I liked the, her character progression on Buffy. I like I liked seeing what her what she could do as an actress. And I like the idea of someone who I enjoyed for many years coming on to a show again. It's it's for me. It's nice to see an actress who I enjoyed continue to get work. Yeah. Well, and the same thing. Uh, I I actually saw that there was another bit of casting news. Uh, Tawny Cypress. Are you familiar with her? I am not familiar with her. Okay, well, she actually, and I could be getting this totally wrong, but when I saw her image, I immediately remembered her from Heroes. Uh, She was, and I can't remember the character's name, but she was the one that was uh, with Peter Petrelli. She was the nurse that was watching over his his dying father. But anyway, it looks like she's going to be joining the cast as a senator. 
and uh, and it was described as like an alien hating senator. So, so kind of like Holly Hunter's character in Dawn of Justice, <laughs> right? Right. So just another parallel: people being very untrusting of Superman. You know, why not just kind of play on that with Supergirl as well? So now, Tim, you have been gushing about this for weeks now. So yeah. please tell me. <laughs> okay. You watched Walking Dead this past Sunday, yes. or at least at some point. Yes. What did you think about the trailer for the? preacher show coming on amc yeah so uh, we've all been waiting this for quite a long time uh there's been a lot of people that have been kind of been a little leery of seth rogan being involved in a show and you know wondering you know just how seriously are they going to take this this show and and portray it on amc well we know amc just put out just phenomenal shows through the years and uh, i believe that there's gonna be no exception as well but the trailer was finally debuted and uh, the one thing i was watching for is you know is this going to be a true representation or a adaption of uh, the comics themselves and if any of you are preacher fans out there i'm sure you've seen it by now but i would say a resounding yes this looks to be uh, very faithful to the source material and it's just a great little trailer it's it's almost like a teaser trailer there's very little uh there's very little shown to it it's just basically one story um you know just talking about you know preacher himself and then just a young boy and i and i'm trying to remember i think this is actually uh touches on a story from the series but uh it really got me interested again i want to pull out my books again and and go ahead and read it because it's been several years since i've done it but anyway uh it looks to be extremely faithful to what i remember the series being so it's just a start and it looks like we're going to be debuting i think in january yeah that's what the trailer said yeah so another show i'm going to have to find more time in my schedule but uh that is something i will do because this looks like this will be a fun one now this is not really news but they did fox has released a poster for their upcoming lucifer series yeah which you know i've been hearing different rumblings in the community i own all the trade paperbacks for lucifer but i have not read them yet because i do understand that it was kind of a spin-off series from neil game and sandman yeah and i want to read sandman first uh, but it seems more like this Fox series is kind of going to be kind of what I would call I zombified. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> which is where they kind of take the concept and then do something completely different with it. Yeah. But, you know, it's a comic book series. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it. And the description that got released this week is as follows. Charming, charismatic, and devilishly handsome, Lucifer is enjoying his retirement, indulging in a few of his favorite things, wine, women, and song, when a beautiful pop star is brutally murdered outside of Lux. For the first time in roughly 10 billion years, he feels something awaken deep within him as a result of this murder. Compassion, sympathy, the very thought disturbs him. Yeah, this was one, uh, there was actually some footage, and, uh... I'll have to go back and look at it, but I vaguely remember there was some footage of this thing shown, or at least released. I don't think it was leaked. I could be wrong in that, but I, I remember seeing some kind of footage on this, and it definitely, uh, I love the description you used, Scott. It was iZombified, and uh, that's kind of the impression I got when I saw this as well. And this is another one where I've just, I've really just kind of touched on Lucifer in the comics. I, I've never really gone through the full series, and I actually own all the issues of it as well. I picked it up on eBay, and, and this is another one that I agree. You know, if I'm going to go in and, and read this, I'm going to go ahead and start off with Sandman again and just give that wonderful series a, another run through. But uh, let's keep an eye on this one. It was just a, you know, it was just, it was just a very uh, brief little poster. Uh, it is actually kind of interesting. They they take um, they take Lucifer. And he's actually standing in front of the word Lucifer, and his head is 
oriented just on the lower part of the U. So it looks like he has horns coming out of his head. So which was ha ha funny. Yeah, it was kind of a ha ha funny. But so we'll see. You know, I, I I think your description is spot on, and and we'll see. And 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 saying that it's I zombified is not necessarily saying it's a bad thing because I, I think what they did with I zombie has just been great. So yeah, I mean, it just it depends on what you're looking for in a television yeah, what, show. Yeah, what you're going for. Yeah. So let's touch very briefly on some animated news, and because I loved this. Okay, we've been talking about the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. We know it's going to be written by Seth Graham Smith. We announced uh, an episode or two ago that Rosario Dawson was going to be the voice of Batgirl. Mm -hmm. Well, they've just cast Ray Fiennes as the voice of Alfred. (laughs) I love this. I think it's hilarious Mm -hmm. that the guy who is Voldemort... And the new M in the James Bond series, because Spectre came out this weekend, is going to be the voice of Alfred. I think that is hilarious. And yeah. we get another great British actor as Alfred, even as a cute little Lego version. Yeah. How many great actors are left that could possibly play Alfred? Uh, you know, especially like British actors or Australian or, you know, whatever they might be. But I mean, you know, Ray Fiennes is just another, just a phenomenal name that I just can't wait to see or hear, uh, you know, how he portrays, you know, Alfred in this. Yeah, we had some other uh, actually animated use. This actually came out a little while ago, but we never had a chance to touch on it. But, you know, we have um, we have the new film, Batman, Bad Blood. Go away, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor, Stop. come on. Yep, let's let's rein it in. This is not your song. This is the movie Bad Blood, uh, the animated film. We'll maybe try to find some time for you later. Anyway, this is actually going to be the next DCAU release that actually comes out. And what's great about this one, and Scott and I were just kind of chatting on it before we started the show, but this will actually be the first time we actually see Batwoman and Batwing uh, incorporated in any kind of uh, uh, film, whether it be animated or anything else. But so these are the characters that uh, very famously were really made much more popular with the DC New Fifty Two. They each had their own series, and they're actually going to be incorporated in this. So this is this is really the the first growth and extension of the the Batman family that we're really going to see on film here in quite a while. And it stays in the continuity of these direct-to-video movies, which uh, the Batman solo films have been, you know, Son of Batman, Batman versus Robin. And this movie, for what I understand, picks up right where Batman versus Robin left off. Yeah. So if you have not been buying these direct-to-video movies, I mean, these Batman ones have been really good. Yeah. I've been enjoying them. It's kind of interesting because they just take various storylines <laughs> and then just sort of hodgepodge the ones they like to make one movie yeah so it's been very interesting these aren't direct adaptations these are definitely more fan inspired edits of different storylines yeah well, and it keeps it fresh too, because I mean, you you can enjoy the uh, the story from the original source material in print, and then you can go ahead and watch this and see something entirely different. Yeah, I definitely get a battle for the cowl, Batman R.I.P. vibe from this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's this is gonna be fun. So, and that and there's a trailer out there you can watch, and and it it just looks great. So check it out. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, just briefly, some video game news. Uh, I really don't want to go through the entire list, but if you look on our Twitter account, I did retweet a link to. Uh, Rocksteady Games basically just said, hey, season pass owners for Arkham Knight, here is the entire remaining slate 
of downloadable content that is going to be available if you own the season pass. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I want to briefly touch on is that at the end of the year, they have a DLC pack called Season of Infamy, which is actually going to add on additional side missions to the main story. So instead of these little sort of like mini levels that you can play independently of the game, this is kind of the first time that content is going to be added directly into the story mode of the game. Mm-hmm. And it allows characters like Killer Croc, Mad Hatter, Ray Ghoul, and Mr. Freeze, uh, who we haven't seen since Arkham City, and their stories kind of get concluded and added into the Arkham Knight game, mm-hmm. which is the part of the DLC content that I am the most excited about. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, they did kind of officially announce that the Christian Bale Batman skin will be the Dark Knight skin. The Dark Knight skin okay. was the one that won the vote. That's the one that won. Okay, cool. Nice little follow-up to an earlier uh, podcast of ours. Exactly. So, great. Well, uh, you know, kind of moving on here, and actually um, kind of looking at the time, I mean, we're actually filling up this episode with a lot of content, so uh, it won't be as short as we originally thought. A little bit of sad news. I mean, when you, you know, Scott, when you were kind of growing up, and you remember the great, uh, you know, 66 Batman TV series uh, with Adam West, and what was the one thing that really kind of struck you that, to this day, everyone just seems to recognize and remember? Oh, it was the Batmobile. I mean, you know, batteries to power, turbines to speed. Yeah. You know, because I realized that they they just edited the same clip into every Every single episode. Yep. Every single episode. They'd slide down the bat pole after the opening credit sequence. They jump in the car. And it wasn't until you got older that you realized, wait a minute, they're using the same footage every time. Yeah. That's, you know, cost savings. So. But yeah, I mean, you just you remember the the little jet engine, the flames shooting out of the back, and which has been replicated many times, uh, just kind of an uh, homage to the original TV show. But well, George Barris, uh, he was actually the original uh, designer of the of the Batmobile. He's actually passed away. Yeah, at the age of eighty nine. Eighty nine. So so a good long life. Uh, but I mean, I mean. <laughs> What a what a great legacy to leave behind. I mean that that car will live forever. And not only did he do the Batmobile, just as a little bit of trivia, he also designed Kit for Knight Rider. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh wow. He his nickname was the King of the Customizer. Okay, that's awesome. Be- uh, because he was famously it was the Lincoln Futura concept car that he used as the basis to build that Batmobile. Okay. And I would say anyone who wants to kind of you know raise a glass to George Barris. If you bought the Dark Knight Rises Blu-ray, there's a documentary on that Blu-ray release called The History of the Batmobile. And there is a good chunk of that documentary that is devoted to an interview with George Barris and him telling his story of how he developed the Batmobile for the 66 Batman series. It's a wonderful it's a wonderful documentary, especially if you're a little bit of a gearhead. And I think that in honor of him, that would be a great way to sort of remember him at this time of his passing. Yeah. And when you mentioned that to me before we started recording, uh, I, I, I knew there was like some feature on um, the Blu-ray edition of the Dark Knight Rises, but uh, I was pretty thrilled to find out that it was actually involving this. So I'll definitely go ahead and check that out because I haven't watched that one yet. So, Scott, um, you know, we cannot end this episode or, you know, kind of trail off here without talking about Constantine. Why not? <laughs> we, we absolutely need to. So uh, as as all of you guys know, Constantine made his TV uh, appearance again, finally this week on Wednesday's Arrow. And uh, Scott, I know this is up your alley and I know you're sick and you're struggling to talk here, but 
I know you want to talk about this, so I'm going to hand this mic over to you. Oh, my goodness. I have been looking forward to this TV appearance ever since it was announced. Yeah. I still remember the day that I was like, I think I was just like twiddling on Facebook or Twitter. And my wife thought I had a seizure. I was just like <laughs> so excited when I heard this news. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the episode. Uh, it was a great episode in what has continued to be a great season of Arrow. Yeah, much better than last year. Yeah, I know. Season four has definitely been an uh, uh, upswing from season three. And I think the ratings sort of point that out. Yes. The seri- the season premiere of season four eclipsed the pilot episode by like 0.1 million viewers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was the highest ratings for the series ever. The Constantine episode was just shy of that at 1.0, mm-hmm. uh, which was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think it really shows that Constantine fans tuned in and Arrow and Constantine fans were excited about Matt Ryan's return to the role. Yeah. And there were all kinds of little tidbits throughout the episode. Um, spoilers for anyone who hasn't. I'm going to spoil this episode. So if you have not seen this week's episode, what were you doing Wednesday night? My favorite little bits. One, uh, they introduced John through the flashback on the island. When they when he turns around and says his name, I love the fact that composer Blake Neely incorporated Bear McCreary's title theme <laughs> for the Constantine show in his score. So you hear the harpsichord yeah. play the little dun, dun, da, dun, dun. <laughs> and every time he did something magical or cool, that harpsichord played. And I just thought that was a wonderful homage yeah. to the short-lived Constantine series because I love that title music. Yeah, how awesome was that? I mean, that was such a great touch. I, I was it just sent basically you know, tingles down my spine when I first heard that. And it was really funny, uh, Tim. I asked you before we started the show tonight, did you catch the subtle little jab at <laughs> NBC in the show? Yeah. Uh, so, okay, we all know that NBC uh, famously, uh, their, I don't know if you call a mascot, but their, um, their symbol is a peacock. And, right. And so we actually had a peacock feather show up in this episode and why don't you describe what happened? Well, Felicity <laughs> walks up with this concoction that Constantine had given a recipe for and a giant peacock feather. And she's like, I get this. What's the dead peacock feather for? And Constantine takes it and then scratches his back and goes, ah, oh, thank goodness. I've had an itch back there. I've needed to scratch for a while. <laughs> and then hands her the dead peacock feather again. Yeah. And I was just thought, oh my God, I love the fact that they're just jabbing at NBC going, yeah. yep. You didn't want this character, so we took him back. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't put any kind of Friday time slot jab. No, they didn't. But <laughs> uh, but then there was an, in the in the last scene before he goes away, uh, there was this great little exchange between Oliver and John, which I really felt like was Stephen Amell talking to Matt Ryan saying, anytime, anywhere you need me, I'll be there. Yeah. Which I thought was a very nice hint to Stephen Amell. Uh, he was very vocal on Twitter when uh, the Constantine show was – you know, kind of on the line and it mm-hmm. eventually got canceled where he was like, I would love to guest star on Constantine. Yeah. And, and Stephen Amell was very gracious and was very supportive out there about trying to help hashtag save Constantine. And so I just felt like that scene was just kind of written to be sort of a nod 
to that mutual respect society that was going on between the two shows at the time. You got to love Stephen Amell too. I mean, the guy is, he's been such a, uh, how do you describe it? Maybe like a father figure for the DC TV properties. You remember when, um, you know, Flash was first came out and uh, the first uh, episode of Flash debuted. And then pretty much within two to three days after that, we actually announced the news that there was going to be a different character playing Flash in the the TV universe. And Stephen Amell came out and was very defensive and and he, he kind of quite vocally says, hey, you know, you guys kind of blew this. You know, you didn't even give Grant Gustin and his show a chance to kind of breathe here. And I love that. I mean, he, you know, so he he was very protective and defensive of the Flash and he's also the same with Constantine. So, man, what a great ambassador to the TV universe. Yeah, and Matt Ryan has been so great. I mean, he's on Broadway right now yeah. with Kira Knightley in a adaptation of an Emile Zola novel called Therese Rakin, which is actually a great novel. Uh, this is the English teacher me saying, read the book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he was like, hey, can't live tweet because I'm on stage, but, you know, let me know. And that was great. And then uh, the actress, I, I am, I'm woefully unprepared, but the actress who played Zed in the Constantine series, mm-hmm. her shtick in the show was that she'd have visions and then she was an artist so that she'd draw them in charcoal. And there was actually this beautiful charcoal drawing that got posted on her Twitter yes. account yeah. of Constantine and Arrow right before. I mean, there was such wonderful buildup. Yeah. Um, from the Arrow cast, from the Constantine cast. It was just this great coming together uh, for a show that we all loved and we hated to see go. And even the producer, who I've understood has kind of become sort of a co-showrunner with uh, Mark Guggenheim, who mm-hmm. is Wendy uh, is Miracle. Yeah. And she talked about how, you know, we didn't just bring Constantine onto the show because we thought it'd be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, they always said that this season was going to be magic related because of having Damien Dark as the right. big bad. And they just thought, we need someone to have help us with this plot point involving Sarah Lance. Mm-hmm. Why don't we use Constantine? Which I love the idea is that it's not just stun casting. Yeah. It's we need a character to fulfill this function in the show. Who are the characters at our disposal to do that? And thankfully, Constantine was there. And mm-hmm. I appreciated that. Yeah. That's just, it's fantastic. I, you know, I'm really hopeful that, you know, uh, when we get the, the plus three and the plus seven and even the plus 30, uh, numbers on this, that we get an even bigger bump on the show. Uh, cause I know I, you know, I was not able to watch arrow live. Uh, but so I'm one of those guys that watches it on the DVR and I know there's a lot of our listeners are probably in the same boat and, and actually it's just a younger generation thing as well. I mean, you know, so many people nowadays just don't really conform to, you know, must watch it live model. And so I'm, I'm really hoping these numbers bump up even more. And uh, if they do, man, you know, I think we could really legitimately, you know, start to try to dovetail, you know, Matt Ryan back into the show. I mean, it's going to be tough with his schedule. You know, as you said, he's on Broadway right now, but you know, I think we could find the right uh, times uh, that maybe we can really get him back on. I've always been hopeful and I've always kind of expected that it was going to be more than one episode anyway. And I think we'll probably, you know, see something here in the finale for sure. Uh, based on what we saw. I was just shocked how well he fit in. Yeah. I was really concerned <laughs> that it was going to be a, you know, a square peg in a round hole. And he actually felt like he belonged. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised how much he fit in the show. Yeah. They really did a good job with that. Yeah. They did. Just one other thing before we move on to your last point on this, uh, Scott. Like, so let's let's 
continue to build up these viewership numbers on this. So uh, what I'll do is after we're done here, I'm going to put it on again and uh, make sure my view gets counted again. Oh, and I'm going to be on Hulu watching that sucker again. Yeah. So definitely. Um, the last point I wanted to bring up, uh, because, you know, we this has kind of been Constantine talk right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to apologize to our listeners. I mentioned in uh, our last episode that I had retweeted the link uh, that Daniel Cerrone had put up where you could download episode 14, his draft of the constant of the sort of the, the constant episode he put out. Unfortunately, by the time our episode dropped, the link had been deleted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no control over that. Daniel, we retweeted Daniel Cerrone's tweet. He deleted the link, which then deleted the link from you know our right. uh, our tweet tweet our tweet. I how luckily, however, had already downloaded the script, so I kind of wanted to give my review of episode fourteen of Constantine because I did get to read the script. And I just have to say, once again, I missed the show. It Now, the interesting thing was, it just felt like another episode mm-hmm. reading the script. It obviously, they wanted their season one to be a full season. And it, it was also obvious to me that the little twist at the end of episode 13 was only added in because they knew that they did not get their back nine ordered. Yeah. Because there is no, there's no real callback to the surprise ending of the 13th episode in this 14th episode. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say about the episode is that it felt just like a sort of the sort of freak of the week, mm-hmm. rising darkness plot, but it did introduce another character from the Newcastle crew. Oh. Uh, her name is Judith, and uh, there's an interesting storyline involving her. And as what happened a lot in season one of Constantine is that everyone who was involved in the exorcism in Newcastle is still dealing with their crap. Okay. And Judith dealt with it in a certain way, and you know those chickens are coming home to roost in that episode. So I don't want to be spoilery. I think there's a reason probably that the tweet got deleted, but I enjoyed it, and it just once again reminded me how much I missed this show. Yeah, and how I wish it was still on the air. Yeah, well, and and I did too, but and uh, you know we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, you just never know. You know, you never know. Maybe a year or two down the road, uh, especially if um, you know if he is able to start making some routine appearances. On and say arrow and, and and actually i think he may actually fit better in legends of tomorrow you know we'll see we'll see if uh he kind of finds a home over there and you know maybe maybe we'll get something else at some point so i still maintain hope for that and i also maintain hope that you know with dark universe or justice league dark movie uh that we've talked about uh before uh which is apparently being fast-tracked um i still kind of maintain hope that you know maybe we'll somehow find a way to get matt ryan to actually play that role on the big screen. So, well, and there's one little thing I want to add in Tim and I don't think you know about this, but did you know that that you can no longer purchase the Constantine series digitally? No. It has been removed from Amazon, iTunes, and Vudu. Uh, if you purchased it, you own it and you have it, but you no one can go out and now purchase it new. Really? I am hoping that maybe that this is a precursor to a the rights being transitioned back away from NBC. Maybe someone's taking over the rights, and maybe there's going to be a physical release in the near future. Ah, oh, okay. Be- because the one thing that was weird was that when it was released digitally, it was never an ultraviolet title. So if you bought it on one platform, you only got it on that platform. Mm-hmm. It never was one of those purchases that could spread out 
to multiple platforms. You had to buy it individually. I'm hoping that they're kind of going back. They're retooling it. Maybe NBC has kind of released it. And maybe Warner Brothers is kind of getting fuller control of it. Now, that is pure speculation on my part. But I'm just trying to think why right before a big appearance, suddenly the series is no longer available for purchase on digital markets, considering that it never got a physical release. Hmm, that's interesting. Maybe NBC got wind of a little peacock feather. I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's, well, that's interesting. I, I'm glad I bought it when I did then. I, I bought on Amazon, so I'm glad I have it too. Yeah, okay. Well, guys, I think that is our show. Wow, we ended up talking a lot more than we thought we were going to, but yep. it was fun stuff. Yeah. And we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we would would love to hear from you. We're going to be trying to rest our voice this week, but uh, we can easily read emails and tweets. So, you know, send us some kind of note. And, you know, if there's any kind of news you would want us to touch on, or if there's something you, you know, want us to talk about, reach out to us. So, Scott, I'm going to ask you to struggle through this one more time. Where can people find us at? Oh, boy. Well, if you don't already know, you can find us on Twitter. At Suicide Squadcast is our show's official Twitter uh, feed. Yep. And, of course, you can find me individually at ScottDC27. And, Tim, where can the good people find you? Well, and you can reach me on Twitter at Alan Fire. And you can also reach us via email at our email account on Gmail. It's SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. You know, as many of you know, we answer all tweets and emails uh, from the show. We love to hear from you guys. So please interact with us. You know, this is what we love to do. We love to talk about DC and we and we just love the properties and love what DC is doing. And, and we want to talk to other fans that uh, feel the same way. So reach out to us and we guarantee we'll get back to you. And please subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. And we know several of you are doing that because we're watching our episode downloads uh. keep on rising. <laughs> we are so thankful because you are making that possible. So once again, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Satchel Player, Google Play Music, RSS Feed, or any other podcatchers out there, please subscribe to us, listen to us, rate us, review us. We love to hear what you think about what we're doing on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, and and just one other note I want to make on that. Uh, Just thanks again to all you listeners that have been faithful, and we know we have you guys coming back, even downloading our old episodes. Uh, uh, Scott and I are just amazed at the growth of even our first episode way back when we first started. And, you know, just to kind of let you guys know, when Scott and I started this, you know, we were expecting, you know, you know, maybe we'd get kind of a small following. Um, we're uh, just kind of like astonished at how many of you guys are listening to the show. So we just want to thank you and, you know, continue if, you, if you're enjoying it, continue to just let other people know um, about the show. Uh, if you think they'd enjoy it, you know, let them know about us and, and uh, you know, have them give us a listen. Uh, if you're also enjoying it, you know, remember to jump on iTunes or, you know, there's other places you could do it in Stitcher, etc. But, uh, you know, on iTunes, uh, obviously, that's the biggest uh, distributor of podcasts. Um, go leave us a five-star written review. And if you do that, you know, again, you know, our second contest here is, you know, we're going to be giving away up to a $20 action figure of your choice of either Batman or Superman. And, and you know, we can even make it Wonder Woman for those of you that are fans out there as well. So, you know, uh, I was taking a look on Amazon at all the different possibilities, and there's a great Arkham Asylum Batman uh, action figure out there that's uh, right around 20 bucks. So anyway, um, what we'll do is the next uh, eight 
uh, written reviews that we get will actually get us up to 20. And those that are there between 11 and 20, you have a one in 10 chance of winning us. So there's no reason you should not be entering this contest. So, so go ahead and do it. And when you do it, remember to send us an email and let us know that you left a review. That's an easy way for us to contact you. So Scott, I think it is time for you and I to try to get some rest and uh, I will go and edit out all the bad stuff from this for our faithful listeners. You mean all of our hacking? The hacking and coughing. <laughs> and whatever else <laughs> the heavy breathing so. <laughs> so well guys thank you for another week of listening to us please let us know what you think let us know what you'd like us to talk about and i'm going to go ahead and tease that there's something special coming in the next week so you need to be maybe paying attention to your podcast feeds yeah. you don't know what's coming your way yeah there well we'll give a little hint we've been talking about doing some kind of special episode uh an ongoing series maybe drop maybe every you know four to six weeks and uh you should see something here real soon and we're gonna have a special guest and i won't announce who it is yet but uh we're gonna go ahead and and do something special for you guys so keep an eye on your feed all right scott i think that's it let's uh let's go ahead and call it a night so everyone i hope you have a great week and uh we'll see you next week cheers finally got our own hot DC Comics TV yes. property. Now we just need the perfect time slot. Okay, man, I've done this before. I've got the perfect place to put Constantine. This is going to take off Friday, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Go. Right there? Right there. Put it in. <laughs>